Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on. And welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. I'm Alf. I'm here with Chris and Simon. And we're going to get into a story that was on Yahoo.com. But before we do that, Simon, Liverpool FC defeats Roma May 26th, a date with Cristiano Ronaldo and Real Madrid. Comments. I mean, I don't even have words. So good. And I will be there in Kiev for the final, I'm sure. Oh, man. Um, yeah, just hard to put it into context. It's just been one of those great nights. And uh, roll on the final. You sound really, really, really excited. I'm really, really, <laughs> really, really tired. <laughs> you don't want to say anything derogatory of Cristiano Ronaldo or anything? That's oh, your chance, buddy. He's a greasy little twat, but that's fine. <laughs> you see, that's that's much more in in the spirit of it. Can you wear can you wear a T-shirt of that really awful bust of his? Like, <laughs> that's his such a great really, idea. Such a great really idea. Does, his face really does look that melted up close. So. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, I think we'll win as well, so it's all good. I the closest I've ever what you've got to be feeling right now, uh, you know, the closest I've ever felt to that about any sports team would probably have to be when the Heat were going on their runs, but certainly never the Dolphins. So we're we're like, you know, Alf was trying to congratulate you earlier, and I'm like, man, what's what would that feel like with the Dolphins? Yeah, <laughs> that that's never gonna happen. Oh, wait, yeah. you can't say that. We've got a Dolphins podcast. What we that's about? right. It's gonna happen this year. Yeah. Well, let's move on from a possible Champions League champion to probably the 2047 Super Bowl champion, Miami Dolphins. And there was a story on Yahoo.com by a guy called Pete Thamel uh, titled Inside the Dolphins Front Office. It was kind of interesting because he was given a lot of a lot of access, unprecedented access, uh, as one beat writer named it. Uh, what were Jealousy. your impressions of this <laughs> of this piece, Chris? I, I thought it was great. Um I thought that you know it was nice to it was nice to get some positivity for, for the scouts and to get their names out there and start talking about them and talking about what they go through and you know sort of unsung heroes uh, that they are. Uh, I thought there were a few revealing things. I mean, I, and we'll talk about it, but you know some some of the stuff that they talked about with with respect to Raekwon McMillan in particular was really revealing about their mindset. Uh, of that pick and that player. And it gives some good context, really, for Jerome Baker taken out of Ohio State this year. And um, I think we talked about it last already uh, in the draft review, uh, how how much Raekwon probably had to do with the drafting of Jerome Baker. But this was like straight-up confirmation. So it was it was cool. I thought it was interesting as well. that I thought it was interesting that... They, they talked about Raycon having a third-round grade, and they ended up mm-hmm. taking him in the second, in part just because he ticked. I mean, there was a specific – I don't have it in front of me, but there was a specific kind of line that Thamel used about how uh, the Dolphins had described Raycon in terms of just ticking every single box from leadership mm-hmm. to size to mental to mm-hmm. everything. It 
was, uh, it, it, was, was it was the work ethic and uh, the local or the scout Ron Brockington. I think his name is Ron Brockington. It is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, you know, he was in contact with the strength coach at uh, Ohio State, and this strength co- coach is getting a reputation not only for being good at what he does, but also being very honest and upfront with uh, with the scouts about their players. And um, and the relationship there was so good that I think they felt really strongly about what this guy was telling them about Raekwon and the kind of leader he is and the kind of um, work ethic guy that he is. So, you know, Chris Greer, uh, supposedly, you know, Mike Tannenbaum credits Chris Greer with the mm-hmm. Raekwon pick because, as you said, he was a third-round grade initially, but Greer thought he was just so much the Dolphins' guy that they went ahead and targeted him in the second. And I, and I was actually given Raekwon's name 12 hours before the Dolphins even knew what the landscape was going to be like when they were up for their pick at, in the second round. Before they even knew who was going to be available I was told that they were targeting Raekwon. So this was a guy that they targeted. So something really had them there. And I thought it was really interesting to hear about or see about, um, you know, uh, Brockington and his relationship with that strength coach even after the fact and how reminiscing about Raekwon and, and what a great pick that was and how they can't wait to take more Ohio State players because because they think that these Ohio State players just get it. And sure enough, here we go, Jerome Baker in the third round. I mean, the article said he was considered the prototype of the Dolphins draft machine working at the highest level. This was a guy who was everything we believed in on and off the field, Tannenbaum says. A total culture fit. There is nothing in Raekwon's background that points to him being injury prone going back to high school. His record was pristine and then talks about getting injured on the kickoff and, uh, mm-hmm. and the clear disappointment that they had. Sure. Um, and then it says... Um, Tanamara creates Greer for spearheading the Macmillan pick as he'd initially held a lower grade internally, third round value, than the 22nd, 22nd pick of the second round where Miami took him. Ultimately, Greer felt comfortable advocating for him in a higher spot because of the Dolphins' research on his character, scheme fit with his physical prototype, and his productive career at Ohio State. Both Ohio State coach Urban Meyer and strength coach Mickey Moroti raved to Greer about Macmillan as a player and a leader. We also credited area scout Ron Brockington for doing the background diligence that made selecting him in the second round a very easy choice. One of the other things that they mentioned as well was that uh, Adam Engroff uh, had mm. been out to uh, to Los Angeles and tracked down Josh Rosen's youth tennis coach <laughs> to try and That's work out whether try and work out whether or not Rosen was a competitor or not, which I found fascinating. Just, yeah. just, I mean, we kind of know that this stuff goes on. Yeah. But even so, when you kind of read about it, is it's a fascinating thing. And and, and Thamel and Yahoo released the first five episodes today, which kind of built up to the start of the season. And I assume the, the second five episodes will be in-depth about going to meet players and to workouts pre-draft mm-hmm. and dinners and things because that's what it intimated at the start so fascinating insight into the dolphins and how they were alf you, you weren't thrilled with it were you well yeah uh, again you could get this story on yahoo.com it's called secret life of an nfl scout and it's by pete thamel and there's an interesting quote in there by chris greer and i'm going to read it for you it says we're never going to take a player we like and the coaches hate then he goes on it does no good for us to force a player because at the end of the day, if he's not playing, the excuse is built in for the coaches not to like him. And we're upset we wasted our time. We go in beforehand, hash out any differences, but at the end of the day, we're all aligned in the vision. Now, that last line that he put in there is completely contradictory to everything else he told Pete Thamel. Now, mm. does, doesn't this sound dysfunctional to you? It does to me. I don't think it sounds any different to how any other team is. And I kind of understand, why would you force a player on that? A coaching staff if they patently don't like him don't want him don't think he fits because ultimately they're the coaches and they kind of know they know the guys that they that are going to fit with what they do because they're out on the field every single day i i kind of i don't really have an issue with it chris i i was just gonna, i was just going to say that it actually strikes me as pretty ubiquitous for the for the nfl landscape like this is probably going on in virtually every um front office in the league i think that there's there's a certain amount of um redundancy that leaves a bad taste in my mouth with this sort of process because so many you know so many people are layering on their own opinions over over top of one another and probably you know contradicting each other and and evidently one side is being given 
And I think what Alf is, is maybe upset about is clearly one side is being given a veto and yes. the, the coaches have the veto power and that, you know, maybe that's too much. But, um, you know, it, yeah, there's a certain amount of, you know, a, a bad taste about that maybe, but it strikes me as something that is probably going on in 30 other NFL front offices. And I say 30 because I just know that the Brown or not the Browns, the Bengals situation actually works a little, a little differently, a little oddly. Um, I know they run sort of a, a skeleton crew uh, with their, with their evaluation there. So I, it just, I, I have to think everything, this is going on everywhere. Don't you think Alf? It probably is. And I think it's a, the wrong way to run now. You know, I I'm not a general manager or anything, but mm-hmm. I have run business before and this strikes me as like a really odd way to to run your business meaning a scouting department like if i sell mm-hmm. if i send somebody out and i tell him okay sell me these uh these coffee cups okay and he comes back with a purchase order and, the, and he comes back and he says you know what this guy wants 500 purple coffee coffee mugs and i tell him you know what i don't like them purple go back there and make sure that they're red he's the guy that went out on the field got me the groceries told me okay what people want are these purple coffee mugs and i'm still gonna force red on him because why because i saw the guy play in the timbuktu state bowl or something uh and i'm not buying that i'm not buying that i mean these are the Gaze is part of that front office, isn't he? I mean, it's, it's not just he like he wanders in at draft time. He's like, well, yeah, I like the six foot five fellow who runs a four four, but don't give me the six foot three fellow with the wonky eye. I mean, it's kind of I, I do I do not think that the Dolphins are doing this any differently to any other team in the league. I don't. I mean, Bill Belichick is not going to say to Nick Casario, yeah, I, I don't mind that. I think this guy's a pos or you know or whatever you, you just draft him anyway it's fine every every team has their every team has their mold and their guys and their systems and their i, I just i don't buy that you know that there's so much separation between those two sides i i think it's a process it has to be coaches in the, the, the front office have to be on the same page about stuff otherwise it doesn't work there's got to be some sort of element of trust between each other and if the element of trust breaks down then you're fighting a losing battle from the start and not, not to hop I, on this because chris has to get to some some listener questions but that last line that Greer told Thamel, uh, but at the end of the day, we're all aligned in the vision. Doesn't it sound to you like the coaches have their preconceived notions and they just want to hear what they want to hear and mm. already have their notions and are ignoring advice from the people that are actually going out to see these kids and are actually going out to see all the games and the practices? And so forth. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's what he was saying. Um, I think that you're probably right. As far as that being how it works, because in my experience, you know, with with football people, I mean, you, you kind of know how they are and how they act, um, mm-hmm. especially about players and about evaluations and stuff like that. You know, the I'm wrong, you're right kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. um, so I, that's probably how it is. But I don't think that's what he was saying. I think what he was saying was actually just very boilerplate, say nothing kind of statement like we're all aligned i have experience working on on teams of a different sort and um you know in my my day job and uh we talk about consensus and you know this is the the public face that we we put out there you know we talk about consensus a lot and um and you know it does kind of work like that behind the scenes too but you know i think you can tell you can tell what when a statement is being made that's just like you know I just don't want to say anything that's bad and that's that's how I kind of took it. Well, before we get into our listener questions, one thing I did want to touch on was uh, Judy Batista today revealed that in the player safety meeting they're likely eliminating the two man wedge, no running starts mm. from for the kicking team, and only three players allowed deep. Quick thoughts on those possible changes for next season, not this coming season. But the following season, Could I think that, yeah, <laughs> this is like kickers for you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I truly uh, couldn't care less. I I think you know the two man the elimination of the two man wedge is probably a good idea. I don't have any opinion about the and the the lack of running head start is also a good idea. I don't have any opinion about the uh, the three men back there thing. But listen, I mean, they've already given kickoff teams the leverage that they can they can just boot it out the back of the end zone anytime they want because they moved yeah. up you know they moved up the kicking so if these you know if these things uh if these things don't work for them the kickoff team then they're just going to boot it off of the back of the end zone anyway so we'll we'll see how it goes i i understand it's not very big part of the game 
I do think it is still sort of a symbolic part of the game, though. So, um, so it, it's interesting, but I don't know that it's going to move the needle too much. I mean, if you've got a problem with kickoff, just just start the game at the 20-yard line. Just take the game. But seriously, stop moaning about it. Just put the ball at the 20-yard line and let's play. I mean, you know. And that's always ball. the debate. That's always the debate. Like they're saying, and that's what you, know, you bring up. I mean, you're, you're bringing up the right point. A lot of people are saying exactly that. But a lot of other people, and I probably come out more on this side, a lot of other people are saying, well, you know, there's something about the kickoff that's, you know, the kickoff to start the game, the kickoff to start the half, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's just very traditional. And football is a very tradition-oriented game. It's a very heritage-oriented game. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I kind of see it see wanting to keep it but continue to try and make the rules such that you know guys aren't getting at risk of getting hurt before i get on we do have a new sponsor well i guess he's uh he's been with us for a little bit are you a business owner do you need expert help with bookkeeping payroll virtual cfo or analytic services so you can focus on growing that business you need to hire analytic they'll take care of day-to-day concerns while giving insights about your company for better long-term decisions you can find them at analytic.io, that's A-N-A-L-Y-T-I-Q.io, or you can call 1-800-823-6320. Say five reasons sent you, and if you sign up or refer someone who does, you will receive a $200 Amazon gift card. Nice. Now, yeah. I do have to get to these questions, though. Uh, we have a couple of listener questions. Uh, people went ahead and hashtagged us three, uh, you know, hashtag three yards. That's the number three. Um, or just added us at, at three yards per carry. Again, that's the number three. Uh, the first one that we'll have, um, actually a couple of these, a couple of these we'll be going into in a minute because that's one of our segments. But does Devontae Parker fit in this team's new style of offense? Gaze seems to me moving towards. Uh, Alf, what do you think? Uh, absolutely. And you know why he fits? Because Jarvis Landry is no longer there. So those targets have to go somewhere. And we talked about this about two podcasts ago where it's a tiny sample. Okay, so it is small sample size theater, but... In the seven games that he was the target leader on the team while he's been here, his production mm-hmm. has been through the roof. Now I'd like to, you know, I'd like to test that theory for for a full season. So yeah, I would say so. But yeah, the clock is ticking. You know what I think, and I'll just make one quick comment on that particular subject. Is I was looking at it because I was looking at we talked about before what losing Jarvis Landry, what it could mean for the offense, but also in sort of a sneaky backdoor positive way. It might result in faster starts because Jarvis Landry was kind of a guy that anecdotally what we saw, he get he got off to slow starts in uh, in the games and then they'd get behind and you know he would come alive in the second half and and really help us get on the comeback and everybody sees the comeback and him being a hero and that's great um, but you know you have to think about the slow start to begin with. Well, I was doing up all those um, those splits and sure enough, I mean in the first half of games. Jarvis Landry, for his entire career, we're talking about 2014, 15, 16, and 17, whether Tannehill was the quarterback or whether it was Cutler or Moore, uh, whether Philbin was the head coach or whether it was Adam Gase, uh, all very consistent. Uh, you know, Just in the first half, he was the worst Jarvis Landry. He was uh, Sean Fahey's Jarvis Landry. Um, we're talking uh, on a 16-game equivalent, we're talking about like 90 catches for 787 yards or something like that three touchdowns on 121 targets um that's those are terrible 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 efficiency numbers and just really depressing overall season numbers for a guy who's supposedly paid highly Mm -hmm. um but the second half jarvis landry was a completely different guy we're talking more like 110 catches per year uh for 1200 and some odd yards and something like nine touchdowns and um and the the yards per target way up uh, toward the eight range, the uh, yards per catch way up as well. And the reason I bring this up is about Devontae Parker is if you look at the other guys on the offense, Devontae is the only other one that is pretty much exactly like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, bad first halves, really bad first halves, better, better second halves. And I wonder if, uh, you know, getting rid of Jarvis, if they're and, and trying to get into these fast starts, you know, I wonder if Devontae might also be part of the problem that way, too. 
And if he is, then, you know, it's just even more excuse to diminish him because they have, they signed a couple of guys, Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson. They still have Kenny Stills. They want to get Jakeem. I know they want to get Jakeem Grant much more involved. It can be really easy for Devontae Parker to slip to number five on the depth chart, and he don't play special teams. That was one of the things that uh, that Pete Thamel mentioned in the article, that if you're the number five on the depth chart, you better play special teams. Like, that's what that's what you have to do. So, I don't know. I, I'm not sure that Devontae actually does fit the new vision and the new themes that are going forward with the Dolphins offense. Simon, do you have anything on that? Yeah, I kind of feel like he will because the pressure's not on um, him now. And also, we mentioned this, uh, maybe it was Monday night, or uh, I certainly mentioned this to Ethan and Chris on their one of their on the, one of the Five Reasons shows the other day, that surely the ability to attack teams using different different styles of players, different sizes of players, different players and their abilities. You know, you can go for one drive where you just use, you know, Stills, Amandola, Grant and Wilson, the kind of the, the little guys, the short area quickness guys, but you're still going to need those kind of, you could also stick, you know, there could be a time where you have Durham Smith and Jasicki and you know you could stick Ballage out wide and Devontae and, and have a kind of a big guy sort of six two and above kind of guys so I, I absolutely think he'll he will be he will be part of the offense I agree he won't play specialties but I think he's good enough not to have to need to do that or you know he, he's never going to do that anyway um I do question the I, I question his intelligence and we've talked about this before and his maturity um but I suppose that you know, the Dolphins now, are, they don't rely on Devontae. They're not expecting, you know, whatever you get from Devontae is almost a bonus at this point. You know what I mean? If you get, you know, if he, if he stays healthy and you get good play throughout the season, that's kind of a bonus. Um, and also, they wouldn't have picked up his fifth year, I don't think, if they hadn't got some interest in keeping him involved. He could end up with 45, 50, 55 catches for you know, 800 yards and, and a bunch of touchdowns and everybody would be happy, I think. You know, I, I don't think he's ever going to... You know, he's not, not going to be Julio Jones. He's not going to be Antonio Brown or AJ Green or whatever, but I think he could develop mentally. I and mean, Physically, he's there if he stays healthy, but mentally he could develop into a guy that becomes a 60-catch, 8, 900, you know. And also, the team is still... Kenny Stills is the deep threat in inverted commas, but Devontae can do that as well. He can do that. He can high-point balls. He can, you know... He can be physical and he can go up and get it. We don't have that kind of guy. And you kind of need that kind of guy. And I suspect Jasicki will be that kind of guy. But what, what's wrong with having two of them? I, I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be a, a decent contributor. I was actually going to say, I mean, you, and you, I think you kind of answered my question before I could ask it um, about Mike Jasicki. Um, you know, you said, what's wrong with having two of them? But going back to the Pete Thamel article, uh, he posted these scouting breakdowns of the players, the individual players. And this is what the Dolphins have for Mike Yasicki. And it says, good athlete that has good hands and body control can make plays down the middle of the field, down the middle of the field, Mm -hmm. and in the red zone, high-pointing the ball. Can be a mismatch guy, needs development as a blocker. I mean, some some of that is just obvious stuff, duh. Um, but it's interesting because Devontae Parker in his time with Miami has almost exclusively been used, not ex, not quite exclusively, but almost been used really on post routes. Um, that's what that's what he runs so often, and that's where he gets his his targets. And you know, down the deep middle, essentially. Uh, or, you know, sometimes down down the deep sidelines uh, or in the red zone with, you know, high pointing the ball on fades and stuff like that. It sounds like they're describing in Mike Gesicki a guy that could I mean, if they need if they need a tall guy to try and run you know deep post routes, it sounds like Gesicki could do that. So I wonder if that's a little bit of a shot across the bow, because in particular, when they did the scouting breakdown of Durham Smith, uh, Smith, not Smythe, we learned, um, they described him specifically as a Y tight end, mm-hmm. something that they did not describe Gesicki as. And it, it seems narrow to me, uh, the scenarios in which he, he could really start to succeed. So I don't know. But there's there's one more question that I do want to, to get to. One says Rashad Minka. Xavier, Tank, Bobby McCain, Raekwon McMillan, Kiko, Baker, that's Jerome Baker, uh, TJ McDonald, Tony Lippett, Anthony. Who's Anthony? Stephon Anthony. Stephon Anthony. Oh, Stephon Anthony. Sorry, I'm blanking out here. How do you think the snaps of the back seven are going to be divided up if you had to guess today? Uh, Simon, we'll start with you. I think you remove Stephon Anthony and Kiko Alonso straight from the, <laughs> from the get-go. I mean, the, uh, just, the whole point of drafting Minka Fitzpatrick, in a way, is an indictment of Kiko Alonso's inability to play the pass. 
Um, so you know, I think you take those guys out of the equation immediately. I, I think there'll be a, I think there'll be a mix and match to start with. I mean, uh, what, what do you think? Bobby will be the, you know, you'll have probably Howard on one side, Tankersley on the other. You'll have Bobby in the nickel. You'll have Rashad and uh, Minka as the safeties. And there may be times where you have TJ on the field. And there are times when you replace him with Tony Lippett when teams are in four receiver sets. I, I think, um, you know, we'll just have to see. I, 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 and with regards Baker and McMillan, we don't really know about Raycon because we've never seen him on the field. So it's difficult to judge whether or not he will be the... I mean, they certainly it certainly looked like that's what they had in mind for him, but we'll just have to wait and see. So, you know, but I, I, you know, I don't think people should worry too much about what it's going to be. We've got the horses back there, so let's just, you know, see how it plays out. But, you know, people fretting about, oh, who's going to play this amount of snaps? And who cares? I don't care. You know, we will have good players on the field in obvious passing situations, we will be a match-up nightmare at times for teams because of those players. Let's not worry about it. Let's see what happens, see how it plays out. There's an awful lot that can happen between now and week one of the regular season. So I'm not in the slightest bit concerned about who's going to play on the back end. Alf, what about you? Okay, Rashad, Minka, and X. I think they, you know, in an ideal world, they play every single snap. Now, thousand snap guys, right? Yes, yes. Now, what's interesting, I think, is is Lippett, like Tony Lippett. Are, are we giving? He played well the last time we saw him. He got know, a lot of interceptions. Yeah, yeah. No, he made big plays. Uh, that San Diego game, everybody remembers the Kiko touchdown, the Kiko interception mm-hmm. for a touchdown, and and how well Tannehill played in that game. But people forget that Lippett had two interceptions, one that sealed the game when mm-hmm. when Rivers got the ball yet again to try to try to beat us. So I think Lippitt has a shot at, at Tank if he's not right. And who knows? Maybe it's going to be Lippitt and, and Howard. On, he's a big guy as well. Six foot three, is he Lip? Yeah. I mean, he's a big guy. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's, the, he's enormous for a corner. The guy who I find eminently interesting in this whole group is obviously Kiko Alonso. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is he a one and a half, uh, you know, one and a half down player now? I think he is. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's entirely possible. <laughs> That they're gonna play him in like the simplest set where he can succeed, where maybe he's even covered up. So yeah, I think it's really interesting. If you look at that whole list, you know the the list is really interesting because first of all, yeah, you could toss the last guy out, Stephon Anthony, because we just don't know yeah. much. Um, T.J. McDonald is interesting because we know he can play on the he can play on this defense, and uh, those mm. three safeties together, I think that they can do things. I think there's an there's enough alignments that they could get into where all three can be effective. So you keep him, man. Jerome Baker, we don't know much. He, he was just drafted, but obviously he was drafted to play. Raekwon, we know they like him. So then that leaves one guy and one very, very obvious guy. We know that Bobby McCain is is the slot corner, so forget about him too. Right. It leaves one guy, Kiko Alonso. Mm-hmm. Now what does it sound what do you like do after, when, I went, when I just went through that entire rundown, what does it sound like? Like he would be cut if we could we're, cut him? We're going to yeah, talk. We can't you know, because of the money, but we're going to talk in a yeah. minute about, about the undrafted free agents. And the, Kiko is, is it, you can't say he's not going to, you can't say he, he will be cut because of the, the, the money invested and the, the cap well, hit. But there well, is what some, it is, it's not the cap hit. It's the fact that his his, his salary is guaranteed. Yes, it's guaranteed. Yeah. So they're, they're, they have to pay it whether he's on the roster or not. So you might as well have him. Yeah, but there's some guys, that, he, he could be pushed. I get the sense that he's not going to be pushed off the team because they talk about him a lot. But, you know, there's this Mike McCray kid at Michigan. I could, you know, because essentially what we're talking about is a uh, we're looking at a two-down linebacker because he's not going to play on third downs. I'd be concerned if I was Kiko Alonso about whether or not he's, he was going to be on the team because he's a liability. I mean, he is a liability, isn't he? And he's not the same guy that was drafted by the Bills. You know, he's not at all. And, you know, it, it, whether we can talk about protecting him on passing downs, but the expectation is, should never be that teams that are only going to pass on third down because teams will pass on first down and second down all the time because it's a passing league. And therefore, he is going to get found out again and again and again. Now, I'm not saying a Mike McRae or anybody else is going to be any better in coverage. They're probably not. But you kind of see the point I'm trying to make, that mm-hmm. at some point, you're going to have to... Teams will continue to pick on him until we till we replace him. And maybe that time is now. Well, I mean, at, at some point, regardless of whether his salary is guaranteed, he, he holds a roster spot, and that might be, you know, that might be it. That's like, well, we need the roster spot. You know, we need... We need it for Mike McRae or something. We'll get into the UDFAs later, but um, I, the way I think about it is uh, looking at the snap breakdowns as I have because I do all the stuff with the dime and 
and nickel and base, uh, 35% of your downs are basically are your base package um, for the Dolphins in 2017. So on 35% of the downs, you're going to need three linebackers, and that's going to have to be it's going to have to involve Kiko for now, unless he gets cut. Um, it's going to involve Kiko, Raekwon, and probably Jerome Baker. I think Jerome might have to earn that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't accept it as a given that he's going to automatically play a lot because you know you look at a year ago, Cordrea Tankersley wasn't automatically given anything. It was actually a, a happy for him, sad for others set of circumstances that led to him actually playing. He was the third round pick, so they might. They might look at Jerome and saying, "Well, you're not ready. We're, we got to train you on." So we'll we'll see. But 35% of the downs, you got the three linebackers out there. The other 65% for the Dolphins are pure nickel, um, or at least they have been because they don't use dime. Uh, for everybody else, that 65% is split with like 15% of them. The obvious pass situations being an actual dime defense out there. And I think the Dolphins got themselves a third safety and Minka Fitzpatrick and you guys have won me over I think you're right that he's a thousand snap guy he's gonna he's gonna start with Rashad the entire year um but now that so the third guy is now TJ McDonald and I think that he's gonna come on the field for those 15 percent to to you know run dime like the rest of the league runs dime and then that leaves sort of a 50 percent where you're trying to figure out which two linebackers are out there and that could be you know I think that could be choppy I think Kiko will be out there first but I think that you know, as the year goes on, they're going to start trying to mix in um, Raekwon. Uh, Raekwon will be out there with Kiko, but they're going to start mixing in, um, you know, some Jerome Baker to see how he does out there. And by the end of the year, you know, who knows? Uh, by the end of the year, it could be Jerome, and, purely just Jerome and Raekwon, and Kiko could be out, nothing but a base linebacker on the 35%. So that's kind of how I see it. Right. We have currently, allegedly, signed 11 undrafted free agents. The Dolphins haven't released an official list yet. So Jalen Davis, Utah State cornerback. Lucas Gravel, a long snapper from TCU. The pressure is on John Denny, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that guy uh, has no hope whatsoever. <laughs> Connor Hilland, a guard from William & Mary. Buddy Howell. The FAU running back uh, is FAU teammate Greg Joseph, who's the kicker. Claudie Matthew of Notre Dame, the small Notre Dame from Ohio. Uh, rather than the fighting Irish. Mike McRae, who we mentioned from Michigan, the middle linebacker. Anthony Moten, the Miami defensive tackle. Uh, Jamias Pittman, another very interesting character, defensive tackle from University of Central Florida. Quincy Redman, a defensive end from Fairmont State, who I admit I don't think I've ever heard of the university. Uh, and David Steinmetz, uh, who was who came Was he one of our 30-visit guys? I've got, I've got a feeling he was. Uh, an offensive lineman from Purdue. So a, a, an interesting mixed bag there. Some guys that stand out for me and we'll probably get to in a bit. But Chris, Alf, who's the, the one name on there, first of all, that you, is intriguing to you? And then who pick, give us a name who's intriguing. Give us a name who you think might make the roster. And then we'll kind of break them down person by person, as it were. Well, I think the first name that's really intriguing to me is defensive tackle from UCF, uh, Jamius Pittman. And one reason is it has to be kind of obvious. We cut or, you know, we cut in Dominican Sue. He was an all pro. He took up 900 snaps last year and then didn't sign a single guy to replace him in free agency. Also didn't draft anybody to replace him. In fact, the only guy that we have acquired to replace, I mean, if you're just looking at the accounting, we are minus in Dominican Sue, all pro 900 snaps and plus undrafted free agent, Jamie S. Pittman. I mean, I'm not counting Anthony Moten. I have actually taken a look at him, and I don't have much hope for him. But anyway, Jamius Pittman intrigues me because when you watch him on film, well, first off, before you even get to the film, uh, Pro Football Focus does a running tally of about 150 interior defensive linemen, and they grade all these guys, but they they don't just grade them. uh, They look at the statistics and the analytics as far as pressure rate goes, you know, how often they get to the quarterback per pass rush snap and then run stop rates. And that's how often they uh, make a tackle in the run game that constitutes an offensive failure. And uh, that's actually a fairly common type of analytic among different services. 
if you if you rank all 150 by the pressure rates and then rank them again by the run stop and then you know just do a combination, he is number four out of 150. Jamius Pittman is out of UCF, and some of these other guys are kind of you know tiny little stumpers, uh, short guys that uh, that play aggressively on bad defenses. Um, th- that's not him because UCF was a great defense and he was actually a 34 defensive end on that, uh, on that squad. So he did not have any advantages as far as pass rush goes. So he played 34 defensive end, which is, which means he's attacking the blocker. Uh, and what you see in the strengths of his game is that he uses his hands and his feet, his lateral movement together in combination really well. And he has a feel for how to set up and beat blockers. I mean, he attacks them with his hands and uses his long arms to keep them at bay and are off his body and then get around them. He gets his hips uh, beyond them and he gets after the quarterback. He gets after the running back. But the thing that really stands out about him, uh, you know, first off, he gets it. But the thing that stands out about him is his awareness and his eyes because he instantly reacts to everything that's happening in the backfield. And he also instantly reacts to when he sees the blocker getting off balance and he takes advantage of it. This is why a guy, you know, what's the downside with him? Well, the downside with him is he's, he's only, he's six, he's like six foot one and 300 pounds. And considering that's all he is, he's slow. He runs a four or he runs a five, three and his jump and agility scores aren't anything that make you forget that. You know, he's he's just a slow guy. He actually hustles on the field, so he's running, you know, to get places, and he uh, and he goes after the ball. But he's hustling, and he's just he's just so damn slow. Uh, when it, when you see him when you see him in action, he's just not very athletic. He doesn't have a great jump off the ball, um, and that's that's kind of has to temper your enthusiasm on him and say. Well, you know, okay, maybe he's not a starter, but I, I will take a chance on him, and I'll I'll see how it works out. I mean, we'll see how how the rest of the position, the defensive tackle position, shakes out as far as whether there's another shooter drop in June. Um, but for now, this guy's number five on the defensive depth chart, and the only guy keeping him from number four, where he would probably be safe to be on the roster, is Gabe Wright. And Gabe Wright hasn't exactly, you know, impressed a lot of people in this league no. so that's my that's my guy that's my he guy flashes, i'm going with he, he, he does flash a bit on tape doesn't he i mean you watch yeah certainly when you watch uh you know you look out and watch let's say the auburn game the, the bowl mm-hmm. game you know first play of the game he sacks uh he sacks um called the auburn, auburn quarterback Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham. he sacks Jared Stidham on the very first play of the game he's got yep. a little bit of explosion from the snap he's got a little bit of ability like you say he's got hands and well he's obviously got hands um but you know he's uh he's maybe crikey that's a rabbit hole we've gone down we um, can't we can't even assume that anymore <laughs> exactly, exactly um but yeah like you say he's um he's not far from the roster is he i mean no. He really isn't. I mean, like you say, we'll get into DTs and whether or not we're going to bring any more in, but he's got a shot. I mean, he might have the best shot of all the free agents. Of Him and the kicker might have the best shot. I think I think yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah, I, yeah. I found uh, the one that I found really, really interesting was, was Greg Joseph because my memories mm-hmm. of him was watching him at F- FAU being this huge-legged kicker that – would never miss, but then I looked up his numbers and he's fifty-seven of eighty-two, and it it yeah. just reminds me that yeah, college kickers just you know just don't make many, and I think it has to do with the timing and how good the special teams in college are, you know. Mm. So and Howell intrigues because he's also really twitchy and an exciting player for FAU. It was really that that offense that they had last year, but mm. yeah, the rest I'm not very well versed on them. But the kicker is interesting because if you watch him kick, yeah, he definitely has a leg. Like this is a big legged guy, career high of 54 at FAU. So wow, well, I, I definitely I definitely am familiar with a lot of the other guys. Simon, did you, did you have something to say? Yeah, there's a couple of guys. I mean, I like uh, I mentioned Mike McRae, and you know, just as a, a two down, instinctive sort of thumping linebacker a really good run defender i mean he's got he's had shoulder issues at michigan but a really good kit a leader and we mentioned a couple of weeks ago i asked you whether or not we'd watched all or nothing 
the 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 documentary series and they did a series with Michigan last season so with with they embedded with Jim Harbaugh's team for the season and McCray comes through as a as a great leader but also just a really good human being you know the sort of guy that the Dolphins have clearly been targeting in the off season um, in terms of trying to turn that the culture of that locker room around but just a really really solid run defender who's had some shoulder problems you know, and may have been off a few teams' uh, boards because of those. But mm. he's got a shot and a really good, you know, a kind of kid that's a standout special teams player. You know, you know exactly what he's going to be. He's, he runs a four seven six, so you know he's not a pursuit guy. He gets a bit mm. grabby in coverage, so he's, you know, he's going to come off the field on third downs. But he's got a chance along with Poling mm. and, and Mike Hull and you know Chase Allen in terms of that one of those backup linebacker special teams roles and. You know, it goes back to sort of supplanting uh, Kiko. The other guy is Jalen Davis, who's the corner, um, who I, I think is quite intriguing, the Utah State guy. Um, and you watch him on film. I mean, he's not he's not big. I think he comes in at about 5'10", 185 pounds. But he's aggressive, though, right? He is yeah, really I aggressive. I mean, he really? Was, he was a four-year starter. He has a school record for, for pass breakups with 37 and passes defended with 48. Yeah, I mean, he... He gets his hands on the football a lot. You watch him in games, and you know, a he's aggressive with players, but especially because of his size. But he knows where the football is. You know, he's a he's a very interesting player and kind of a guy that you think if he was like six foot one, he'd have been a to me he'd have been a fourth round pick. You know, because yeah. he's you know he's if he's not clear. higher. I mean, uh, absolutely. You know. But you flip on the tape, and what you see is the stuff of a pro cornerback. And I just yeah. think. He has the opportunity to come. We talked last week about Cornell Armstrong, the guy we drafted, who we all really liked as a, a really good value pick, someone who's gone under the radar. But this kid is a, mm. I find, to me, he's a very, very intriguing, very intriguing player, and I think he could. Um, I think he's got a shot as well. I mean, especially a solid tackler, special teams player. He, to me, he's got a shot, a real shot. With with respect to the linebackers, you could kind of you could kind of see Matt Burke, you know, with with his preferences over the years, you could see him stomping for a Mike McRae to make yeah. the linebacker or to make the, the squad because he does want, you know, you just know Matt Burke is going to want to have at least one linebacker on the roster. That is that big, strong, you know, I I've been calling them slobber knockers and other people are like, what is that? Um, but you know, he's going to want to have one guy right now. That's chase Allen. Um, but Mike McRae, I see him as sort of competing with Chase Allen for this uh, this second year to in Chase's second year, and uh, and maybe even supplanting him. Whereas uh, Quentin Poling, you mentioned, I think you had it right. You you said, does he make the roster over Mike Hall? Uh, I think you said that on Monday, and I think that's the guy he's competing with is Mike yeah. Hall. Like if he if he can beat Mike Hall, then Quentin Poling makes the roster. But Quentin Poling is not the kind of player that Chase Allen and Mike McRae is as far as, you know, being big, strong, you know, the real run defense kind of guy. Um, so I think that McRae is competing with Allen. He could make the roster. I think you're right. Jalen Davis is an interesting contrast with the guy that they did uh, draft in Cornell Armstrong because Cornell Armstrong has no experience at slot. Um, right. You know, we, we talked about, you know, maybe is he there to back up Bobby McCain at the slot, but he has no experience there. And then you you look at the Pete Thamel uh, article and the scouting breakdown they have of him. Yeah, they have they him specifically call, yeah, yeah, they specifically call him a perimeter corner. Uh, he's five foot eleven, you know, 193 pounds, I think. Um, so they, you know, they might look at him as more of a, you know, Tory McTire competition um, on the on the outside, you know, is he gonna is he gonna just solidify a spot here as a as a perimeter corner? Whereas Jalen Davis is definitely a slot guy. He had a lot of experience at slot at Utah State. Yeah. That's what he was. Um, and so he's gonna and he's Bobby gonna McCain's compete. Contract comes to it. Bobby McCain Abs- is in contract here, isn't he? Absolutely, absolutely. You look at that. So you, this is a guy that, as, as we were saying, is really aggressive going forward and and also gets his hands on a lot of balls. He, what he just needs is he clearly needs to be protected over top because he's he's small. He's only five foot nine, one hundred and eighty pounds, and you know he, he runs a four four five or something along those lines. So when you see him get taken deep and he doesn't have safety help, maybe even in in some cases he should have the safety help, but they're not there. Um, but you can see the weakness there and, but that if he's in the slot that gets covered up, he had fantastic statistics. Mm. I mean, whatever you give, whatever you, 
you know, credence you give to those sorts of things. He had fantastic statistics. David Steinmetz, just real quick, is another guy that I did watch, and he will remind you so much of Jesse Davis. It's um, it's kind of they're kind of like clones of each other, except Steinmetz is a little taller. I think he's like six, seven and a half. We want to get to whatever remaining help is needed after the draft, after free agency. But first, before we do that. We need to hear from the other guys at the Five Reasons Sports Network because we want you to pay attention and we want you to follow them and we want you to listen to their podcast. So here they go. On the latest edition of the Five Reasons Podcast, Ethan and I go over the latest NBA storylines and try and figure out how the hell the Indiana Pacers took the Cavs seven games. I mean, this was the team that was pushing the Cavs. A star player who was traded twice in one year. A point guard who was a backup for the Kings two years ago. For the Kings. The third guy was arguably the least talented of the two Bogdanoviches. <laughs> they had a power forward, and Thad Young was on his fourth team in five years. And then they had Lance, okay, who who <laughs> since, who since he was last with Indiana has played for five teams. I mean, that's not that long ago, Chris, that he was in those series against the Heat, right? Hey, like, can the, I try and name them? So he's in Memphis, mm-hmm. Sacramento, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did he have a stop with a New York team? Was he in Brooklyn? I think he was with Minnesota. But what? I'll, I, will, I will. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, hold. <laughs> to the basketball I- reference page. Be sure to subscribe to the Five Reasons podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. This week on the Balls Cast, the Bean is up top. Yes, up top, top level. Bean. Do we really need to tell that to people? People need to fucking know because they don't know. Oh my god. Sorry. That's not true. It's true. You gotta focus on the clit or the bean, as Chris calls it. Yeah. It's up top. That's just how I talk to my uh, nine-year-old when I talk about pussy with him. Not surprised. The bean's up top, buddy. (laughs) It's right on top. Jack and the Beanstalk, you see. It's actually about... It's about a vagina. Yeah. It's about this big green vagina. Right. So do your homework, brush teeth. Remember, the bean's up top. (laughs) Just like my little bean. And I put him on the top bunk. Subscribe to the Balls Cast today so you can hear things that make Ethan Skolnick very nervous. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Carlo Navas. And unfortunately, the Heat have been eliminated from the playoffs because the Sixers and the referees are clearly cheating. Um, jokes aside, we're still going to be going strong. Every Monday, look for new episodes of the Heat Beat Podcast. We're going to be going into the Heat's future, past, and present, as well as going around the league. And we're going to be guest-heavy throughout this postseason run. So check us out at MIA Heat Beat on Twitter and Miami Heat Beat on Facebook so we can keep you posted on what's to come. All right, we're back. And again, Five Reasons Sports Networks, that's at Five, the number five reason sports. You can follow that uh, that Twitter account and hear about all of the podcasts on the Five Reasons Sports Network. And this is where the bulk of our listener questions came into. You know what we've gotten through the draft. We've gotten through you know most of free agency. We knew going into the draft we had more needs than you could take care of. What remains? Oh yeah, we got one tweet from. Of course, he has to have this name. Jujusemba seven 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 seven. Yes, that's that. That was his name, and and he asked about Hankins. Would Hankins be something that the Dolphins would be looking at after June first? And I would say absolutely. But what I would look at is that Jet quarterback situation. Who's going to shake free over there? Mm-hmm. You know, does Darnold look great from from mm-hmm. day one? And they decide, you know what? Maybe Josh McCown is the guy that we got to get rid of. And if and I'll tell you one thing, if Josh McCown's, you know, available, I'll throw mm-hmm. Brock Osweiler over a cliff personally to go get him, because <laughs> I think he'd be a great backup quarterback for for Ryan Tannehill. Have you know, seen him play pickup basketball like like recently? Uh, he's he's incredible. Yeah, supposedly he's really 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 good. He's like Zach Thomas. Like uh, yeah. not many people know this, but uh, Jason Taylor is like a, a serious basketball freak. You know, okay, he obsesses over the game. And he goes and often plays, and he used to play with O.J. McDuffie at O.J. McDuffie's house. And it's well known that whenever he steps up against Zach Thomas, Zach Thomas is actually the better of the two, which it's <laughs> odd because one guy is 5'10 and the other guy is 6'6". <laughs> but, yeah, Zach Thomas, nobody would ever peg him as 
this great basketball player, but yes, yes, he is. But yeah, Josh McCown really intrigues. Like I'd be watching that Jet quarterback situation because, mm. yeah, you never know. You know, you never know if Sam Darnold just lights it up from day one and decide, you know what, we got to jettison one of these guys. And if it's not him, it's Teddy Bridgewater, and I could get excited about that. I don't know. What, what do you think, Simon? I think defensive tackle, obviously, although the team clearly have a plan because they don't seem overly concerned, do they? I mean, there's not mm-hmm. like, you know, and I go back to listening to Gaze and to to Tannenbaum, and they kept talking. They kept talking about trades. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kept talking about trades at the owners' meeting. Um, you know, or we could we could trade for a guy, or we could. It wouldn't surprise me if they pulled some sort of Stefan Anthony deal. You know, with a kind of a guy who's on the perimeter, on the bubble of a, you know, giving up a six-round pick or whatever, mm. because you know Hankins is obviously out there and he's 26 and he's coming, being cut from Indianapolis and seems like a good fit. And Terrell McLean just got cut, didn't he, by the Redskins? Is that right? Am yeah, I, you did. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he's what 28, 29, signed a decent-sized deal with with Washington. So, um, you know, there are there are guys out there. I think you know it's. Uh, I mean, I wonder if any of the, I wonder if, you know, one of the Eagles defensive tackles potentially just, Mm. you know, shakes free. There are, there are teams with a really good, there there are teams with really good rosters out there who could potentially dangle a player who, you know, we could end up trading for, but the the team don't seem overly concerned, Mm. you know, and no real effort was made to fill that void during, during the draft. And they only brought in Pittman as the only guy in free agent uh, as an undrafted free agent. So I'm not overly concerned because it feels to me like they've got a plan. But you know, you wonder whether or not uh, you know a Timmy Jernigan potentially would would a Timmy Jernigan oh. shake free out of Philadelphia? Oh, that, that would be interesting. <laughs> that would be that would be great. I mean, wouldn't it? But or at least be available to, to you know. You look at that. You look at that rotation of Fletcher Cox and Winston Craig and Jernigan, and they signed Haloti Nata and Elijah Qualls. They've got as well. And you just kind of wonder. Well, I mean, probably not, but who knows? You know, who knows? So, which brings us to what matters after all, which is wins. And in Las Vegas, they came out this week the over unders for every single NFL team, and. The Miami Dolphins are at five and a half games over under. Well, first of all, <sighs> give me over or under. But what do you make of this line, Simon? I don't even know. What, I don't even know what this means. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I'm see, not, you I'm see, not a Vegas guy. Well, you see here, here in, in the United States, Simon, uh, we bet a lot of money on these games. Oh, I know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And the over-unders are usually referred to as futures, and I never like betting a future this far away because I don't like somebody holding my money until I collect it in January. But five and a half is really, really intriguing to me because think about it. If they're mm-hmm. terrible, they're 6-10, and ten, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. if they're terrible and they're 6-10, and ten, you just want some money. So okay. what do you think, Chris? I think I think this is you know I I usually don't for all the reasons you stated I don't I would rather I would rather have a market return for a year than uh, than to invest uh, in an over under but um, usually the over unders you know kind of hover around seven and a half eight eight and a half and those are hard to bet you know yeah. those are because because you have a lot of reasons that things can go one way or the other uh, you have a lot of reversion to to the mean every year. Um, but five and a half, that that makes it really easy. This was a six and ten team a year ago with Jay Cutler and Matt Moore throwing the ball and a lot of things going wrong. I, you know, they're 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 really hitting all all cylinders this off season. I don't see how that even even six and ten is possible. I think it's I think it's definitely at least an eight and eight year. So, um, and I'm not usually like the optimist here, but Simon, what do you think? I think they're a playoff team. I do. Yeah, I think ten and six playoff team and I think there's opportunities to be had in the AFC the Patriots are beginning to come down the other side of the mountain I mean you know whatever we think of the Patriots the run has been astonishing but it can't go on for much longer and I think there's a real opportunity we need a bit of luck we need a bit of health mm-hmm. a lot depends on what happens with 17 but mm-hmm. I like this team I like where they are just want to go back to something very briefly Malik Jackson there's a name of, uh, of a potential cap cut in terms of you look at the defensive tackles that the Jaguars have, just I'm just sit, sat here going through the teams and Malik Jackson. I know a couple of Jaguars fans, and there's been some conversations about whether or not 
the Jags would get out from under that contract that he has, especially with the with, with some of the players that they have kind of coming through. Mm. So yeah, um, but no, I think I like our team. I think we're in a good position. I mean, I'm always kind of glass, generally glass half full guy anyway. But I, I mean, six and ten would amaze me actually. I think this. I think they've done a decent job of filling the holes in the roster and. You know, they've tried to, they've pretty much looked at every position. And I think apart from defensive tackle, they've filled some decent gaps and, uh, and put some quality in there, I think. So, Alf, what do you think? I think they're, they're, they're vastly improved. Uh, I think the passing game is going to obviously improve because you're getting a better quarterback. And not only are you getting a better quarterback, I think the running back position is better. And not only mm-hmm. is the running back position better, I think the tight end position is drastically improved. Okay, mm-hmm. and that's without knowing who the hell Gasecki is gonna be in the NFL. But I know he's gonna be better than Julius Thomas. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we can argue receiver. Yes, we lost what would be the best player of the group in Jarvis Landry, but I think we replaced him in the aggregate. I think the team, I think the unit, got better. When you move over to, to the defense. You know, you got to figure that the defensive line is either stagnant or this, or it's slightly not as good because you don't have an all-pro in the middle. But you got to mm-hmm. figure that the two young guys are going to develop a little bit more. You know, if you get anything from Robert Robert Quinn, that's an improvement over what Branch gave you last year. Maybe Branch comes back, and we know we can count on on Cam Wake. So. Mm-hmm. The linebacking core is drastically improved, and our first-round pick was the 11th overall, and he's going to be the free safety. He's going to be something that we haven't had in who knows how long, since the last time that we had a, a playoff team here with Isa abdul Kudus. So, yeah, I guess if there's anything that makes me nervous, it's the kicking game. That's it. That's the only thing mm-hmm. that makes me nervous, because in the NFL, you do tend to play a lot of close games. You know, uh, it's not... It's really not a league where it's dominated by blowouts unless you're in the top handful of teams. The rest are pretty much within a score or two. So field goal kicking is going to be important. So if that's the that's really the only thing that makes me nervous. So 10 wins? Yeah, absolutely. Can they win 11? They need a lot of luck because I think that they're in that group where they're a playoff team but they're not a championship team. And in my opinion, I think we got to be consistently a playoff team, and then we worry about becoming a championship team. But yeah, over five and a half, for sure. And one, and one last thing, of course. On Saturday, Justify will win the Kentucky Derby. There you go. You heard it here first. That, that's the over-under, apparently, as they say in Vegas. Right. That's it for this week. <laughs> <laughs> you've had a double i love had, how you totally used that wrong <laughs> i know I, I, you know i did it on purpose i'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie I, i'm not that stupid honestly <laughs> that's it for this week you've had a double header of uh three yards per carry this week if you missed it our proper in-depth draft review uh show was on monday so you can download that from itunes from google play from podbean from every other downloading service provider in the history of mankind don't forget we are a member of the five reasons sports network that is run by ethan skolnick and chris whittingham and that's where you can find us that's where you can find five reasons the heat beat podcast balls cast all the other great things that those guys are doing uh, again google play itunes etc 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 we will be back next week where we uh i'm not even t- entirely sure what we're going to do next week but we'll certainly have something for you next thursday and in the in the uh in the words of chris kaufman say la vie thanks for listening to three yards per caddy you can subscribe via itunes on podbean or your usual podcast provider Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets 
if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion? Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.